Episode 53 of the Bomber Brothers Podcast, brought to you by the Pinstripe Alley Community of Podcasts. Sean and Ryan back for another week and back with another se- uh, season in review, I guess, a season look back. We're going to do 2012 this time. We did 2017 last week and we started off with 1996. So, continuing to jump around between eras just to keep things fresh. Um, Sean, just to talk about this era real quick, today, as we record, was supposed to be the uh, home opener, a game we were planning on being at, but of course now that doesn't happen, and I think as each week goes by, it's kind of a recurring theme on here, as each week goes by, the outlook for even having a season seems to get more and more bleak as more things are getting canceled i mean wimbledon was just canceled and that's something that happens near the all-star game of the mlb season so not looking good as things are not getting any better in terms of handling the uh covid outbreak yeah i uh i said to my because my wife and i had already had tickets part of our ticket plan and uh i said at about 11 o'clock i saw her i said well we gates should be opening right about now and uh it stinks i'm, I'm bummed i lo- love nothing more than going to the stadium even though it's a cold day today it was cold day last year too for the home opener the season opener altogether but uh being at the ballpark for the first time in a year is a great feeling and um we we got robbed of that yeah no it it sucks knowing that will you ever get to get that feeling of walking into uh the stadium for the first time in in a new season it's uh certainly looking less well, i mean less I'm, likely. I'm, unless unless i don't die I, I plan on getting there again it just might not be this year well that's yeah well yeah i mean for 2020 <laughs> I mean, and it's then you're realizing have we seen the last of DJ LeMahieu in a Yankee uniform. Have we seen the last of Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton, uh, losing a, a prime season of Garrett Cole in that contract? And it's uh, there's going to be a lot of things for the Yankees to sort out if if there isn't a season. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I, you know, I think Canley and Green are are first time free agents after this season, right? And um, another year closer for Aaron Judge, Gary yeah. Sanchez. This really it really hurts um, for more more reasons than just the the obvious. But all these contracts moving up and there's nothing you can do and those players shouldn't be held back. But, um, yeah, it's going to be the Yankees are going to have some decisions to make. I'm sure when they signed Garrett Cole, they didn't anticipate this happening because this definitely was a win now year. Um, And now there might not be a year. Yeah, it's it's definitely a sad reality to think about just how bleak it looks and. I mean, it's even getting to the point of will seasons like the NFL start on time? And thinking back to when MLB postponed the season for two weeks, think of how quickly things have evolved. So 
it's certainly looking like we might have to do a lot of these uh, season recaps. It might get to it might get to the point where we might have to talk about the 2013 season. Oh God, no! <laughs> but um, we're going to talk about the season before that. One that certainly was one of the most painful endings to a season since we've became fans. But the season as a whole was was still pretty fun and, and really exciting, especially the uh, the ALDS. But the Yankees were coming off a first-round exit in 2011, which was their first since 2007, because 2008 they didn't make it, 2009 obviously won the World Series, 2010 made it to the ALCS, so this was kind of that one year where they, um, actually it's funny to think about, because 2011, you think about all the Yankees' strings of first-round exits like late in the Tory era, 2011 was the only time they were bounced in the first round from... 2008 to what 2015 when they lost in the wild card game yeah but i mean and they haven't made the playoffs 13 or 14 (laughs) so yeah i mean they they make it to the alcs in 9 10 and 11 and or 9 10 and 12 and they get bounced in 13 i mean in 11 sorry just golf francesa here (laughs) so but i don't know you picked 2012 so why'd you pick it I just thought it was kind of like it just felt like an outlier almost in this era of it it was right before the Yankees kind of fell into this um fun I I know they made the playoffs in 2015 but they really backed into the playoffs and didn't make much noise in in the wild card game so it was part of this um funk right it was right before the 2013 through 2016 phase where they only made the playoffs once and didn't make and didn't win a playoff game in that time. So it was kind of like the last, it was the last, I guess you could say playoff exposure for guys like, like Pettit and Jeter and Mm -hmm. that, uh, that core of Yankees that were, you were used to seeing in the playoffs all the time. And also because it was just also a really exciting finish to the regular season because things got so tight in terms of winning the division. Uh, it was the first year with the wild card game, so there was even more incentive to win the division, which made it even more exciting. And obviously, the ALDS with Raul Ibanez. There was just a lot of things going on. The um, resurgence of, of Derek Jeter at 38 years old, leading the league in hits, was the second youngest to do, uh, second oldest to do that. I think Pete Rose was first, and that was in a strike shortened season. So just. A lot of a lot of different storylines. I thought that might make it fun to talk about one of the one of the seasons that doesn't get talked about as much. I feel like because of how it ended, but there was still a lot of excitement in between before that really big flop in the ALCS. Yeah, um, I I like this year a lot, and it was sort of the first time. Uh, it was my first year after graduating college, my first time with a job and, you know, still living at home. So I had a lot of expendable income, uh, compared to what I usually had. So I went to a ton of games in 2012 and this team was fun and it was really good. I mean, I'm, I have baseball reference up right now. No Yankee except for Russell Martin in the starting lineup had an OPS plus of under 100. I mean, pretty good. 
Yeah. You got Teixeira, 115. Cano, 148. Jeter, 114. A-Rod, 111. And down the list you go. I mean, Ichiro came over halfway through the year and hits 322 for the Yankees and puts up a 113 OPS+. plus. You have Ra- Raul Abanez over 100, who has obviously clutch hits, which we'll get to. Unsung hero, uh, Eric Chavez, have, have, had a monster year. But, I mean, I think, I think the, the year the star of the season, even though Jeter's resurgence was really fun. Uh, you know, that was a great storyline after he started off to 2011. Uh, Cano, I mean, dude, guy has an OPS at 929 this year playing second base in, in 2012, just stellar. And then you look at the pitching staff, Kuroda has an ERA plus of 127, a 332 ERA. CC has a 334. I'm sorry. It has a ERA plus of 125 and Pettit puts up an ERA plus of 148. So the rotation solid, they lose Rivera, which we'll get to, but they have Soriano and Robertson out there. David Phelps has a big year out of the bullpen. Um, and this is a dominant team and then they get into the playoffs and you know, um, they stop hitting altogether, which has happened before. But, um, yeah, basically everyone but Abanez and Jeter stopped hitting. And then Jeter got hurt, so they were yeah. down to one player. Yeah, it was definitely a rough way to go out. But like you said, there were a lot of cool storylines. This was Kuroda's first year as a Yankee and mm-hmm. and certainly uh, certainly showed he was worth his, his contract. Like you said, he, threw, he led the rotation in innings through almost 220 innings, 3-3-2 ERA. Yeah, and that was his age 37 season. And, and I think – I think I speak for both of us when I say that Kuroda quickly became one of our favorite Yankee pitchers just because of how reliable he was and and was definitely fun fun to watch on the mound. Yeah, definitely goes went about his business just dominating. It was uh it was really fun to watch watch him pitch and he quickly became one of my favorites in the rotation and you know CC has a fine year too, but I guess we kind of start 2012 in spring training and I, I the most excited I had been about a baseball transaction in a long time was the Jack Curry tweet that the Yankees had signed Andy Pettit out of retirement. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know he's him and Tino are your are your two favorites. I mean, what was that like knowing that you know one of the top favorite Yankees of all time was going to be back back in pinstripes, thinking that you, we'd never get to see him pitch again? Oh, that was awesome. I remember I ran out of the. Um, I ran out of my, um, my, my office building, like just ran out and called you right away and told you, and you didn't believe me. You were like, what? No way. And I was like, no, Jack Curry tweeted it, Pettit's back. And I think that might've been before you had Twitter. So, um, that was, yeah. Yeah. And that was back in the days I was afraid to go on my phone at my jobs. So I was like sneaking it under my, my desk. And I looked (laughs) and I'm seeing all this stuff about Andy Pettit. I'm like, why is everybody talking about Andy Pettit? And he came back and, uh, no, I was excited. I made sure I was, I, um, the day he came back was mother's day in 2012 after he had gotten, gotten ready. And, you know, they do lose that game for nothing. Um, but I was sitting first row behind the bullpen and I had a, a sign that said, welcome home, Andy. Um, and he flipped me the ball he warmed up with. And that's one of the coolest, uh, coolest things I have. And, and I always, you know, I look back on that fondly and the next start after his first start, he goes out and he strikes out a bunch of guys. I mean, he pitches like eight innings in his second start and dominates. And I saw him pitch in a game, him versus James Shields. I went to a game and he just dominated the Rays. I think he gave up like one run in six or seven innings. And 
um, and, and got the win. And, and he was great, and he got hurt, but he had a great year. I mean, Pettit comes back and pitches to a two eight seven ERA uh, in twelve games started, seventy five innings pitch, and, and pitches well in the postseason too. Yeah, you mentioned that game against the Rays, seven and a third innings, ten strikeouts in a, in a shutout, and then, like you said, after that after that Mother's Day start he pitched his next 15 innings he struck out 17 guys so he he was a he had some spurts where he was striking guys out at a high rate and like you said he got hurt i think it was a broken ankle yeah him and and cc went down on the same day yeah that was that was rough so it was it was an abbreviated season for pettit in his penultimate season but when he was on the mound he was he certainly pitched well and yeah it was just awesome to see him back in a yankee uniform again especially when you didn't think that was possible and it's one thing when guys come back and they just they just don't play well and it's like they're just coming back because they're just like not ready to give it up yet but when when someone when a fan favorite like Pettit comes back when you didn't think that was going to happen and then pitches like he did it just it makes it that much better oh for sure and you know he he started game one of the ALCS that year and I think he you know goes seven innings or six innings gives up only two runs so you know he still he still had it even against the best and um didn't didn't really get a ton of run support but which is surprising with this team but um they had a, a ton of offense to go around and i think when you couple the pettit storyline with jeter's resurgence and his last his last this, this is jeter's last real year you know what i yeah. mean like 2013 he tries to come back a couple times 2014 it's a goodbye and it's sort of like you're saying like he's back but he's not jeter anymore in terms of production uh, so you have Jeter and and Pettit uh, both having great years, and you know it, it, you you have guys like Granderson hitting forty three home runs, and it's uh, you know Cece had a solid year. Teixeira has a good year too. He plays one hundred twenty three games, hits two fifty um, with thir- with twenty four homers. So uh, it was it was a good year all, all around. It's just the, when the postseason started, it, it it got pretty hairy, but. Um, the sad thing is, you know, we have these two guys, and Mariano tears his ACL in Kansas City. Yeah, exactly. I I remember hearing about that when it happened, and then you see his press conference, and he says, you know, I'm not I'm not going out like this. So it's like you know that his career's not over because that was like the first scare because you knew he was coming towards the end of end of his career. But and so you know that you're still going to get to see him pitch again. But like we've said, you know, we've we had. We had Pettit coming back. Jeter was still there, and we were hoping to have Mo too. And then all of a sudden, he goes down, and you know, Mo at this point was still really, really valuable to the Yankees. And it felt like, man, I mean, thinking back on it now, it feels like uh, Yankees spring trainings of recent years, where it seems like key guys go down before <laughs> you even get to watch them before opening day. But yeah, that was that was a brutal blow. Wound up being handled thanks to thanks to Soriano, but still at the time it was it was it was really scary like man like what does this even mean for the outlook of the season just because you knew how important mo was yeah but soriano comes in he does a great job i mean he nailed he nails down 42 saves and that's after like you know mariano still pitched a little bit he had five saves to start the year um so so soriano has has a ton of saves he pitches really well has his own little song when he comes out to uh, to pitch, like his own custom song. So that was fun, and um, yeah, he does a good job. And you, you you tandem him up with David Robertson, and the eighth and ninth inning for this team was was lockdown. It was really 
really good. And um, Boone Logan didn't pitch that poorly that year, believe it or not. <laughs> Three seven four ERA. I got Boone Logan's autograph that year. At a Man, game. I hope you held on to that. I think I threw it out the window once. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And David Phelps has a good year too. Um, in the bullpen, so the, the the team was all around really solid. Um, you know, the rotation had some depth issues, which which reared their head. You know, you had your Freddie Garcias and Phil Hughes has a fine year, but nothing spectacular. Um, and yeah, that's about it. That's a, that's uh, that's how we get started. So. Um, what are your memories from 2012 that stick out? Like, I'm sure that there were some games or some, you know, we talked about Jeter and Pettit, but I'm sure there's some games that stick out that make you think about how fun this, this, this year was. So it's funny that like, in terms of thinking back to like the earliest moment that stands out, it's against the Tigers, which obviously there's not going to be many of those to talk about as we get later into the season. Um, but the game in late April where there was there was like the two walk-off wild pitches, or not mm-hmm. walk-off, but the two wild pitches, but the one that won it when the game was tied, and there was the wild pitch when A-Rod was batting, and it was just, it was a really close play at home plate, too, uh, and Jeter, like, just got under the tag, so it was a 7-6 walk-off win. I thought that was that was pretty cool, and and the funniest part was, I think that was on, like, a 2-0 or 3-0 pitch, so it was... It wasn't like, wasn't like it was a waste pitch that got away or anything. Like he just completely had no control of the zone, and then you get a walk off. Jeter slides in to win the game. Yeah, I, I remember that um, that game. That was a really good game. And uh, about a, what a week before that, I want to say they have one of the most historic wins ever. The the nine nothing comeback against the yep. Red Sox at Fenway which is incredible. And, um, I I mean, that was one of the, that's one of the, the highlight wins probably of that decade. I mean, of the last decade, if you think about it, being down nine, nothing against the Red Sox. And, and, you know, this is the Red Sox the year before had had the epic 2011 collapse. And then, you know, they're winning nine, nothing in an April game. And, um, yeah, the Yankees put up 15 unanswered, which, I mean, that, that happens in basketball or football, but not baseball, not 15 unanswered runs. Yeah, it was it was wild. And, and, and I think the funniest part about it was that before the offense woke up, they were being completely shut down by Felix Dubrant. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, they're trailing 9 nothing, And, I mean, the, the comeback starts on the most, like, seemingly – meaningless like Teixeira hits a solo home run it's like all right they're finally on the board and then before you know it they're scoring seven runs in the seventh inning and another seven in the eighth inning I think uh, I think it was capped off by like the Swisher double that he hit to center field but it, it was yeah that was I think that's one of the more memorable regular season outcomes of of that whole decade I mean you have that you have Jeter's 3,000th hit um Austin and Judge going back to back in in 2016, A Rod's three homer game in 2015. I think this is. I think you can put this one maybe above above all of those, aside from maybe like Jeter's last game. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree. I mean that you know to do it at Fenway against the Red Sox makes it makes it something special. Um, for sure. And I, I 
I mean, that was one of those games. I remember, you know, I, I was driving Apollos to go get food and I just flipped the game back on because I'm like, oh, whatever. You know, <laughs> let me just see what John and Susan have to say. And it was like nine to four or something at the time like that. I'm like, oh, hold on here. And then you watch what happens and it's 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 crazy. And I mean, that really propels them. They have, you know, they sputter a little bit in the middle of May. And then like after May 25th or something, they get red hot for for a while. And one of the things that stuck out to me is this team did great at interleague that year. And I think, I don't know what happens next, but there's one moment in there where they beat the Mets on a, uh, on a rough, I think it was June 10th. I'm just looking through the baseball reference um, thing. They beat the Mets on a Russell Martin walk-off homer. They're losing that game three, nothing come back. Martin hits a solo homer in the ninth. Uh, to win the game and then they go to Washington the next weekend and this is the first time the Yankees get to face Bryce Harper and it's petted against Harper and Pettit strikes him out I think four times and I, I mean they just make an absolute uh, fool out and it was just so cool watching like a 42 year old or how old Pettit was at the time striking out this young you know 20 20 year old uh, who's supposed to be the next big thing. So those kind of wins were really fun. And I thought emblematic of the year where the year didn't have like these ultra dramatic things. Cause the Yankees were really hot in the middle of the season. And then you get to the end, they get colder and, and then things start to get interesting. But in the middle, it was just like these great, like, you know, like milestone wins. Like you have like this series against Washington where they, they kind of shut down Harper and then they have, they, you know, beat the, the heck out of the Mets when they come into Yankee stadium. Um, so there were some there were some nice uh, nice moments in there, and then you got to the second half and they slump a little bit. Yeah, well, speaking of milestones and interleague play, this interleague play also had a Rod tying Gehrig for career grand slams, and that came against the Braves, and I think that was mm-hmm. a, a game tying grand slam because they were tra- yep. they were trailing four nothing. I remember it was a very like. Mark McGuire, 62nd home run-esque, like, line drive right over the left field wall. Never seemed to get more than, like, 20 feet off the ground. And, um, and yeah, then the Yankees went on to, to win that game, and that was the 23rd grand slam of his, uh, of his career. Yeah, that's that's kind of like what I was saying. They just they played so well in interleague that year in, in the middle of the season, and, and you had those. And this is when you would only have the one interleague um, – one interleague stretch for throughout the year. So um, that always really helped the Yankees and, and they had a lot of nice wins down, down in that stretch. And um, you know, another game that happened this year was the Granderson three home run game. That was really a nice game. Cause I remember he didn't get off as hot of a start as he had the year before. And then he has the three home run game. And at the end of the year, we're looking at 43 homers from the Grandy man. Yeah. Love, love Granderson. He was one of those Yankees that wasn't around for, too long but still was in my mind a, a fan favorite and still one of my my favorite yankees i think and yeah you know, i mean just with his personality how can you not love the guy you also mentioned the the russell martin walk-off there was another he, he had two walk-offs that year one and the other one was a big one too they were because that was late in the season and they were losing to the or they were tied with the a's and, and russell martin hit a, a walk-off to to beat them in the 10th inning and that was that was a game that was one of a rare blown save situations by Soriano that year. And CeCe had pitched awesome that game. He had eight shutout innings, and then Russell Martin hits that walk off. Also a solid uh, bat drop on that walk off because he he knew it was gone. Yeah, Russell Martin was one of my like low key. I, I really like this guy kind of player. 
just like the the toughness that he showed. And he was really good at shooting the ball out to right field too against a, a righty. But yeah, I know the home run you're talking about. He did, you know, he just cranked that one out to left. I think, uh, if my memory serves me correct. Yes. And uh, the next the next day after that game, they have one of the wilder games of the year against the A's, and this sort of starts the. Um, Raul Abanez legend um, where he ties the game like in the 14th or some crazy inning like that um, against the A's. And then they win on like an error by the first baseman or something like that. I, I, I can't remember exactly how this game unfolded, but I know it was crazy. Both teams scored four runs in the 13th inning. That's what I'm thinking of. And um, yeah, the winning run scores with two outs in, in the last inning. So crazy. Yeah, and that's still probably not even his biggest moment in the regular season because the Yankees still had to lock up the division. So then at the end of the season, Abanez hits the game-tying home run against Boston. And th- and if they lost that game, I think they would have been tied with Baltimore for the for the division after Baltimore had been clawing its way back. So mm-hmm. Abanez tied the game with a home run and then won it in the 12th. I think on, on a single. Yeah, it was like a little dinky opposite field single that gets the job done. And you're right. The Yankees were up by one game at the time and Baltimore had won. So they needed that win to avoid the tie and going to the last game of the season. Um, and they get the win. So they stay up one and control their own fate. And then you go into the last game of the year up one against Baltimore and Baltimore winds up losing and the Yankees win. So um, they, they wrapped it up anyway, but that was, they also clinched home field and the best record in the league on the last day of the season, which I thought was appropriate. Cause I thought this, I thought in the regular season, the Yankees were the best team in the league. I mean, the, you know, we, we went through their whole lineup and without the pitching injuries, they, they probably easily have that wrapped up earlier. Um, but the Yankees come out and absolutely blitz dice K in the last game of the year. I was actually at that game. Cano and Granderson both hit two home runs. Granderson almost robs the triple crown away from Miggy. If he had hit one more home run, he would have moved into a share of the uh, home run crown, home run crown. Um, so it was really fun. And it was like, get the party started. Cause they won like 15 to two or three or 14 to two. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just remember by like the fifth inning, we were just having a good time and, uh, you know, getting, getting ready to celebrate the, the division championship. Yeah, and it was almost a division championship that wasn't. Like, Yankee fans crucified Red Sox fans for their collapse in 2011. And this obviously wouldn't have been on the same scale. But the Yankees had a, what, a 10-game lead, like, right after the All-Star break. That dropped down. That got cut in half by almost the end of August. And then it, like, got down to as little as one game in, in September. So the Yankees were dangerously close to losing their grip on on the division which in this year the first year of the wild card game era would have been even more painful because then you would have to go into a unenviable one game playoff but the yankees were able to hold on and then wind up go ahead sorry sorry to cut you off they do finish the season 14 and 4 though i mean yeah i mean this this potential collapse was like not down the finish line like the red sox was but there was a time where they almost lost control after having a comfortable lead and uh, yeah that that was sort of around um like late august they really struggle but um 
Yeah, I don't know if you re- you remember this, but they had this crazy game at Camden Yards when the Orioles were really good. And Teixeira legs out what was an infield single, and they call him out, and he's blatantly safe in every replay you watch. And that game to me, that was when the Orioles got the closest I think they'd ever get um, on like September September fifth or September third, some, somewhere in there. September eighth. I'm sorry. CC starts that game. It, it's a you know, it, it's a cluster, the whole, the whole game. And, and they wind up coming back in the ninth and, and to gets called out on a play. He's clearly safe. One of the impetuses for, for replay, I'm sure. Cause it winds up costing the Yankees game to share re injures himself on that play. So he might not be able to come back that year. Joe Girardi blew up at a reporter cause he kept insisting CC wasn't hurt because <laughs> he was pitching poorly at the time. And it was, uh, it was like kind of everything comes undone. And then after that, they only lose, you know, that's September 8th and they only lose six games the rest of the way. They beat the Orioles 13 to three the next day and kind of put that that whole slide behind them and, and get back to playing Yankee baseball. Yeah. Like you said, and they, away they go. Oh, yeah. I was waiting. I was getting nervous. You hadn't said that yet. Well, because this season there is no like they started off hot. It wasn't like a way we go. You know, what I mean, there's no moment where it's like they take off and for the rest of the year they ride this train. Yeah. Now, I think. I think we've I think we forgot a key moment. Did we talk about Teixeira versus Padilla? No, but that was a really fun that, series. Yeah, that's one we got to talk about. The one of the best um, swag walks to first base after uh, after he crushed that home run. This is before pimping home runs was cool. That's what people need to remember. But yeah. I think in that at bat, I remember that was a Fox game. Yep. Um, Padilla throws him like an Ephus pitch. Yeah, I think he was comes, on the pitch before the home run. Then he throws a fastball and Deshera <laughs> just yanks it and, and ties the game. And yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, they were trailing 6 4. He throws the Ephus and then just throws a fastball right down the middle and Teixeira hits it Joe Bucks, off the four yeah. train. Joe Buck's call is so good. He just goes, well, he got him. <laughs> <laughs> and Teixeira just drops the bat and just stares at him and. and you know, runs around the bases. And I think Padilla and um, Padilla and Pedroia wind up getting into like a fight a couple weeks later for the Red Sox in <laughs> Oakland, not like a fist fight, but like screaming at each other in the dugout. So that's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of player Padilla was, but that was huge. And I think it was that series the next night. Uh, one of the great moments for Ichiro, he hits two home runs in a game for the Yankees against the Red Sox. And Ichiro coming over was a big jolt. I mean, obviously, I don't care who you are. If you like baseball in the 2000s, Ichiro is a big part of your your um, baseball life. And um, to have him come to the Yankees was really fun. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He's another, he's another Granderson type for me. It wasn't on the Yankees long, but still like one of your favorite Yankees. Just because of what he meant to baseball, and just how good he was when he was with Seattle. So it was definitely cool to have him there for a little while. Um, but yeah, had had to get that to share a Padilla one in before we moved on to the postseason because that's that's an important one. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, all right, so I guess getting to uh, getting to the division series now. So Baltimore, it winds up being Baltimore, the team the Yankees were trying to hold off for, for much of the year, and they they go ahead in, in game one with, they have the big ninth inning, right? And, and CC was his usual self. Yeah, Martin hit a home run to break that, to, to break the tie. Yeah, that was, that's, that's a, you know, everyone talks about the Ibanez game, but there were definitely other games in this series that deserve to be talked about, like the Yankees 
coming alive in the, in the ninth inning of of game one in, in this series and just uh cc being cc going eight and two thirds striking out seven and only allowing two runs this was like i mean th- this series was peak you know this is why we signed cc because he had two huge starts which which saved the season yeah, I mean he what he pitches a complete game in game 5, right? I believe it was a complete game and there was a yeah. close game too. They won 3 to three, 1. 3-1. Tashera stole a base that game. I remember that. <laughs> um and Granderson hit a solo shot, I believe. Um yeah, I mean, you know, CC in game 1 gives gives the Yankees 8 and 2 thirds with only two runs allowed. I mean, Dude, come on! Guy, guy pitches what seventeen and two thirds of an inning in in two games in this this series. That's crazy good. Uh, only has the the bad third inning and gives up two runs. But the Yankees um, Yankees do what the Yankees do. Russell Martin hits a home run and and they're off to the races in the in the ninth inning. And it looks like they're off to a good start. But then the next night, Pettit pitches fine. I mean, you can't you know Andy pitches fine in game two, but the Yankees only can muster two runs. Um, against um who the heck pitched that game some moron some <laughs> moron <laughs> Wei Yin Chen I take it back I like Wei Yin Chen so yeah, well, that, that was the that was the night uh, Jim Johnson gets back on track and and, and locks down the save and, and the way how bad A-Rod looks in the at-bat in that game plays directly into what happens in game three Yes. Which is one of the great regrets of my life is I had tickets to game three and game four and game five. And after so I had tickets to all the Yankee home games that series. And after game two, I was talking to my friend who I was going to go to one of the games with. And we both decided, let's go to game four because we thought they'd win game three. So we wanted to see them have a chance. And then game five was like we'd have to take off of work because it was a five o'clock start. So we decided to go to the one home game the Yankees lose and we missed the Ibanez game. Yeah, that's that's that is rough. And you and you also missed a great game by by Kuroda. What else is no? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the starters for the Yankees in this series. They really did step up. I mean, Kuroda went eight and a third, gave up two earned runs. I mean, both of them were solo home runs, but Abanez makes sure that that doesn't matter. And, yep. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is this is the defining this is the defining moment of the season. The Yankees, the Yankees, um, or Kuroda gives up a home run to a young Manny Machado, and then never it gets, heard of him. <laughs> and then it gets to uh, the ninth inning, and by this point, the Yankees have seen plenty of of Jim Johnson and Abanez takes him deep. Well, I mean, we have to talk about the what leads up to that, and this this is one of the great. Um, one of one of the great calls of uh, managerial decisions of all time is, I, I mean, you know, it's a playoff game, and you're you're sitting down, you're you're pinch hitting for a surefire for first ballot if he didn't take steroids, Hall of Famer, and putting up an old Raul Abanez to see if he could just poke one over the short porch, and he rewards you, and like what a bold call, and A Rod's the first guy off the bench to to greet him, and. You know, allegedly, a couple games later, he'll be getting girls' phone numbers in the stands yeah. while he's on the bench. But um, I, I mean, just what a cool moment! And uh, and they're tied, and they they go to extras, where he does it again. Of Brian Mattis, yeah. Oh, and and we also have to talk about you know we we saw him come up big 
in the 2017 wild card game. We saw him come up big in the 2009 postseason. But David Robertson was huge in um, in this game as well, out of the bullpen to make sure that Abanez was set up to have these have these heroics. Gets the win, pitches two innings, only gives up one hit, strikes out two, no walks. Tremendous job. Yeah, but and so. I think it, I think it's pretty obvious to say that when I go back through the YouTube wormhole of Yankee highlights and, and get to 2012, like this is the highlight that I watch all the time is the video of both Abanez home runs from this game. Yeah, the one into the second deck is just absolutely bedlam, and that was uh, all time all time great moment um, for the for Yankee postseason. Kind kind of wish the home run call on the game tying home run was a little more enthusiastic on the TBS broadcast. Um, and we t- are, are yeah. tied. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, who was who that that those, I think those it was calls? Er, was it Ernie Johnson? Ernie, yeah, not cut out for, for baseball. Love him. Love him with uh, with the NBA talk show on, on TNT, though. Yeah, keep him in studio, though. Yeah, give me <laughs> – I want Joe Buck um, – Matt Vaskurgeon, give me um, what's his face? Um, I can't. He used to work for NBC. Brian Costas. Why did I say Brian? Bob Costas. Give me Bob Costas for nationally televised games. That that's it. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear the guys that TBS have now. Um, TBS has never gotten their their broadcasting package right. Yeah, it's it's been it's been rough. And it's not even their play, the color commentators are awful too. Now to be fair, Fox has Smoltz who stinks. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's all you need to say. Yeah, <laughs> Smoltz isn't the best. Doesn't doesn't not a huge not a huge fan of of the modern game. Yeah, a little understated. Uh, <laughs> like I see, I'd even almost rather listen to Tim McCarver because he's giving me something from an era that I'm not familiar with. Smoltz, like, dude, I watched you play. You're not like you're just repeating the same 15 things over and over again. Yeah, um, he's awful. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna say it. You give me Harold Reynolds, I'm actually happy. He's gonna say some. It's a hot take. I think. I think that can go down as a hot take. He's gonna say some ridiculous things, but he's happy and he likes baseball. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, well, on to game four. Well, I was at this game. Where the oh. <laughs> not too much offense. It's so funny. The Yankees had that big inning in in the ninth in Game One, and then aside from Abanez being clutch and a few other timely hits, like the offense was just no. I mean, you look at it and you're like, how the hell did they win this series? Because they they lose this game in 13 innings, can only manage one run. Phil Hughes actually pitches pitches pretty well. Phil Hughes had an underrated year. He was fine. yeah. He gives up a home run to Nate McLeod. <laughs> That's that happens. But yeah, the only run the Yankees could score, which ties the game, is an RBI ground out by Cano, who also had a big hit in that ninth inning in Game One. Also, also with a big hit in the ninth inning of Game One was Ichiro. That was cool. A cool pl- Yankee playoff moment by Ichiro. Doesn't get better than that. Oh yeah, he's he's clutching. Ichiro has and and Abanez both have RBIs in Game Five. Added on with the solo shot by the Grandy Man, so um, yeah, that that was that was pretty much it. I mean, Jeter has the triple in Game Three. Game Three, Jeter has to come out of though because he's having a little bit of soreness in his ankle. Yeah, well, and hopefully that doesn't foreshadow anything. Yeah, and after CC pitches a complete game in Game Five and just does 
tremendous work. Nine innings, four hits, two walks, nine Ks. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of the best Yankee pitching performances in recent playoff history. Yeah, but you have to now think, does what happens here with CC pitching, like we said, 17 and two-thirds innings, and they, remember there's only the one off day this series, so it's not like he has the two off days built in. Does that and Jeter playing on this bad ankle what you know, chip away at their health and, and lead to what happens in the ALCS, which – I mean, we could talk about game one, but after game one, the series is pretty much pretty much over. Oh, yeah. No, there's there's nothing to talk about after after game one. Just darkness. Yeah. So I was at this game, too. I was so excited. It's the first time seeing Andy Pettit pitch in the postseason. And uh, they're down 4 nothing in the ninth, and Ichiro hits a two-run homer. And uh, Abanez comes up, and I, re- I remember we were like, it was kind of one of those things where we're like, let's walk to the top of the section and then we'll, we'll try to catch the subway to go hard though. Yeah. You know, walk out to <laughs> the car and Abanez hits the ball to right. And we're like, no way. And the ball goes out and we went absolutely crazy. I was just like running up and down the, the bleacher, um, the bleachers just going nuts. And, um, unbelievable. The dude hits three game tying home runs in the ninth inning in the span of like three weeks or two weeks. Yeah. Still, still one of the coolest stretches of, I mean, you had Shane Spencer in '98, but this was like, if, Shane, if all of Shane Spencer's home runs were like late in Clutch. late and close games, yeah, 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 it was it was unbelievable. Obviously, things don't go very well after that. Jeter so goes if, down. <laughs> if Abanias doesn't hit that home run. <laughs> Do you think Jeter, Jeter, Jeter keep, <laughs> I have no idea. Apparently, people were yelling at Nick Swisher because he missed like a fly ball or something. I remember that. Like he misplays a line drive, and it leads to Jeter's play, and and people were telling Swisher that he's the reason. But it's what it is. I mean, the the way for Jeter to really go out is him just his body just breaks down, and all of the yeah, I'm fine, I'm out there, I'm good. Uh, you know. He wasn't good anymore. His ankle, he was playing on a broken ankle, basically. Yeah, and the Yankees score two runs in the last three games after he goes down, which honestly isn't even that much worse than what they were doing, <laughs> what they were doing in the DS. But they just don't get those those timely hits. They get knocked or they get knocked around in in game four, and really go out with with a whimper. CC probably a little fatigued. And yeah. and that's it. Sixteen Tigers pound out sixteen hits in Game Four. The Yankees managed two. Have good no, job, have good no answer for Scherzer, and that's yeah. It. Wasn't good. But Jabba pitched uh, in three games and had a zero ERA. So good for him. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just on the baseball reference, and I saw that. And I remember Corota had like a no hitter going pretty late into like maybe like the fifth inning in uh or the sixth inning in game in game two and he was pitching that game on short rest he had a no hitter going into the seventh inning in the regular season against texas yeah well corot is awesome yeah i don't even know i don't even know if the yankees threatened in this game no i it was it was awful the the best the yankees chances were winning were um ichiro reached with no outs on an E1 to lead off the inning. So they got a runner on first base, and that was with nobody out in the sixth, and that's the closest they came to, to winning the game. Jeez. 
that's it. That's wonderful. So no, not not the uh, not the ending that would fit uh, what was a really fun season before that and a really incredible ALDS before that. But unfortunately, that's the way it ends. And then don't see much of Jeter the year after. Uh, we do get Pettit and Mo back in 2013, but 2013 is a year that we're probably probably near the bottom of of seasons. We wanna we wanna recap on this on this new segment. Yeah, I feel I feel like 2012 was the last the, the really like the last part of the the 2009 uh, version of the team because you know you lose Swisher after the year and Granderson and Jeter are hurt the following year. Teixeira never regains his form again after the breaking the bone in the preseason in 2013. So it was really and you know you have the resurgence from A Rod in 2015, but. Um, you know, it was really the last year of like the whole group intact and, um, that, that team should have won more championships. I think they should have at least won one more, whether it be 2010 or 2012, but, um, they gave us some really fun regular seasons and a couple of good postseason rounds. And, uh, that's really, that, that's it. You know, you can't, um, you know, you can't win every year and this team should have won more than, than, than the one, but this is really the last chapter and then like you have like your little prologue in 2013 and 14 and then then they hit the reset button in 2016 and and now we're back so that's it so i'm going to travel to a new era for our next episode if you don't have anything else to say about the 2012 i don't where where are we heading next as we get in the the delorean 1923 have fun researching no i'm just kidding um (laughs) yeah i'll I'll go look up some youtube highlights we, we can't call that one of our favorite years because we weren't alive, so we can't really judge it. Uh, no, I want to go 98. Let's just – let's get the let's get the dominant – like after talking about the, the bad endings in 2012 and 17, let's just have a year where we go wire to wire or you know, with, with fourth, no drama except maybe game, the first week of the season. First week and I mean we're going to talk about it, but El Duque saves the year. Yeah, that's El, true. El, El, El Duque saves the year. Yeah. All right. So we'll – yeah. That's a good one to talk about. We will uh, we'll bring that to everybody next week. Um, are we eliminating the what we're looking forward to as we're in this darkness of no sports? I guess I'm looking forward to uh, playing more of the show. I just unlocked Estevan Floriel. Oh, yeah, I have him. Oh, that's that's fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I, stink. I stink when I play online, so I got some work to do. Yeah, I haven't played online in a while because it costs stubs, and I've been—I had just been saving them all up to get Mariano. Well, you could do that event. You could do events um, online, yeah. If you want. But then you're playing against other people's teams, and they have all diamond players, and I don't have. All I know. Players. I don't know how they do it. I have. I mean, I have some. I have. I have Mickey Mantle, Curtis Granderson, Mariano, and, and Kerry Wood. Oh, that's that's nice. I have Granderson and. Um, not Altuve, uh, Ramirez. Yeah, Jose Ramirez. I can't believe yeah. you got that in a pack. I don't. I've never gotten anything higher than a silver than silver in a pack. It was it, oh, was, well, a head, it was the it was a headliner pack. pack. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I got that. And then I have the 2018 cover judge. That's I have him too. I don't know if he's a diamond though. So I um I was watching a video on Twitter and someone posted them after they had won a. A conquest game and you know how after you win conquest like the 10 cards pop up and you can remove mm-hmm. one until it reveals what you won he had diamond javi baez pop up 
I've never wow. seen anything more than a bronze on those things. I don't know. I mean, and it, and it, like he showed himself like remove each card one at mm-hmm. a time, and it was one of the two left, and then he didn't get it. But still, just to even have that pop up, that's insane. That's wild, um, for sure. Well, maybe we could play each other. That'd be fun. Can you like wager stubs? Like you want to bet some stubs in a, in a <laughs> single know. player game? I'll we'll have know. to figure it out. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening and looking back on 2012. We'll be back next week to talk about 1998. A lot of wins to talk about there. And uh, until then, just everybody stay safe. Keep your distance. Don't be stupid. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you later, everybody.